welcome to Australian Women Preach, a podcast that aims to raise women's voices in preaching the gospel. Our intention is to model the church we want to be, inclusive, diverse and welcoming. Brought to you by WATAC, Women and the Australian Church and The Grail in Australia. Natalie Acton is the Director of Operations for the Sisters of the Good Samaritan. She's worked in various roles within the Catholic Church and its agencies. She marvels at the many creative ways that God's mission is animated by people who come from all faiths and none, diverse cultural backgrounds and a spectrum of gender and sexual orientations. Hello, I'm recording this reflection on the land of the Dark and Jung people. I would like to pay my respects to their elders, past, present and emerging, and acknowledge their wise, careful stewardship and ongoing deep connection to land and water. I would also like to pay my respects to any Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander people who are listening. Today I'm reflecting on Luke chapter 1, verses 39 to 56, which is the gospel for the Feast of the Assumption. The title of my reflection is Women of the Word, Blessing and Proclamation from the Margins. This well-known passage, commonly known as the Visitation, describes the extraordinary encounter between Mary, the mother of Jesus, and Elizabeth, her cousin, mother of John the Baptist, which happens in the home of Elizabeth soon after both Elizabeth and Mary have discovered that they are pregnant. It's a scene loaded with great joy, expectation, and some explosive revelations. While the author of the passage gives clues to the mutuality of the exchange in their responses to each other, the passage sits in two parts with the words of Elizabeth featured in verses 39 to 45 and Mary's proclamation in verses 46 to 56. I'd like to explore them separately in this reflection. In the opening phrase of the text, we are told that Mary makes haste to the home of Elizabeth. As a young, unmarried, pregnant woman, we can only imagine that this may have been a difficult and dangerous journey, with Mary viewed with suspicion and subject to rejection and ridicule along the way. On her arrival at the home of Elizabeth, she is warmly greeted. It seems that Elizabeth can see in Mary something that perhaps others have missed. Enlightened by the Spirit, she gazes on Mary with the loving eyes of her Creator. She sees past the superficial complications of Mary's circumstances. She recognises Mary as a woman of faith and courage. She then offers Mary three blessings. She blesses and affirms Mary as a woman. She blesses the divine presence within her and finally blesses Mary for her giftedness and her willingness to co-create with God in the coming of God's kingdom. I am struck by both the power and intimacy of the blessing between Elizabeth and Mary. A blessing given by a woman who sees and knows the woman who stands before her. Elizabeth, excluded by her gender from public office, public speech, and from taking a formal role in the church of her community, draws on her relationship with God and her own experiences of God's abundance 
as the source of her authority to bless and encourage Mary in her participation in God's mission. As a woman of her time, excluded from the public sphere and limited to the private domain, Elizabeth is able to go beyond these limitations to access the unlimited availability of God everywhere, a God who seeks to be known, a God whose action can't be domesticated or contained by human formalities and structures, but exists relationally and creatively at both the centre and on the margins. We first meet Elizabeth in verse 5 of the chapter as the wife of Zechariah the priest. Elizabeth and Zechariah are of advancing years and are unable to have children. This is a source of great shame in their community, especially for Elizabeth. Presiding over a ritual at the temple, an angel of the Lord appears to Zechariah to bring him the news that his wife will bear a son. Zechariah interrupts the angel and asks for further proof of this revelation. It seems that an angel of the Lord appearing in the temple during a holy ritual is not enough. As a result of his disbelief, Zechariah becomes mute. In contrast, we are told that Elizabeth receives no such announcement. Instead, in the seclusion of her home and in the progress of her pregnancy, she comes to see this as the action of God in her life. We get the impression that this wisdom is uncovered as a slow unfolding rather than as an earth-shaking epiphany. In the light of a year of pandemic, when our formal modes of worship have been disrupted and we have been literally locked out of our churches, there perhaps has never been a more potent invitation to attend to God revealed in our everyday circumstances and delivered by unlikely messengers to appreciate the sacramental nature of our kitchen tables and to see God's movement in the events of our lives and in the beckoning and beauty of our natural world. The papal encyclical Redemptoris Missio notes that to be on mission is to encounter human beings and a world where God is already active, a God who is present everywhere and salvifically available in ways that are unknown to us. Renowned missiologist, the late Father Noel Connolly, noted that our role in God's mission is to discover the kingdom of God present both inside and outside of what we know as church and to listen and discern that movement so we might proclaim, seek, uncover, encourage, celebrate and build on God's spirit present and already active in the world. To me, Elizabeth provides an exemplar of this stance of attending, discerning, encouraging, and collaborating with God at work in the world around her. In contrast to Zechariah, Elizabeth is not limited to seeing God in the safety and rigidity of the rituals of the temple. As a result, she is free to bless and to affirm God active in unlikely circumstances and marginalized people. Zechariah, in contrast, is left silent, unable to continue his ritual or to communicate with his congregation to explain what has happened. In the second part of the visitation, Luke turns his attention to Mary. When Luke introduces us to Mary in verse 26, Mary is literally in no man's land, which in a patriarchal society is not an optimal place to be. We are not given details of Mary's family history and we find out she is betrothed, but not yet married to Joseph. 
Luke is perhaps indicating that Mary is in a liminal space. She belongs only to God and is not bound by human social limitations of what constitutes legitimacy and identity. Rather, she is embraced by the inclusion and acceptance of the life of God. This creates the fertile ground for her response to the invitation of God to participate in the birthing of a new chapter in salvation history. Surprisingly to the listener, Mary, a woman of no particular standing or qualification, makes a proclamation that in its formula and content places her firmly within the lineage of the significant women of the First Testament, Miriam, Judith, Deborah, and Hannah. Mary's words echo their words of God's faithfulness throughout history and the coming of God's reign manifest in ways beyond the imagination. Prophecies that shake the very foundations of certainty, privilege, preference and entitlement. When I imagine this scene, I am reminded of two young women, Brittany Higgins and Grace Tame, who spoke so powerfully outside Parliament House at the March for Justice earlier this year. Like Mary, these women both overcame the shame conferred on them by their experiences of harassment and abuse and the powerlessness of their age and position in those circumstances. Like Mary, they raised their voices to proclaim a new way of being, to call out the sin of misogyny and the abuse of power. Just as Mary, working outside the patriarchal norms, is both spokeswoman for and in solidarity with the poor and lowly of Israel, Brittany Higgins and Grace Tame, in the vulnerability of sharing their experiences, gave voice to the silent many who were also victims and survivors of harassment and abuse. Stories that must be heard as the first step of transformation. Their courage, their voices, started a national conversation about resetting and reframing our culture to one of inclusion, respect and safety for all. In the artistic depictions of Mary, she is often presented as a pious and demure woman with hands joined, looking out tentatively from the shadow of her veil. It's hard to reconcile this image with the young woman in this passage who proclaims with confidence a world where the proud will be scattered, the powerful brought down and the rich turned away. While Mary acknowledges herself a servant, her obedience is simply love in action. As she chooses the path of love, she responds to God's invitation in freedom. I'd like to conclude by exploring one of the great inclusions in this passage. When Elizabeth meets Mary, Luke notes that she responds with a loud cry. This seems out of place given the setting and the social expectations of the time of women to be barely seen and not heard. In this passage, Luke has already turned this convention on its head with the men not seen or heard. Zechariah is mute and Joseph nowhere to be found. It would seem that in their enthusiastic exchange, Mary and Elizabeth are using their outside voices. And this provides a helpful metaphor. Mary and Elizabeth do represent the outside voices of their time and ours. The voices of those who sit outside the sphere of the certain and credentialed, 
those whose experiences of shame and hardship and exclusion provide fertile soil for openness and listening. Those who can see and attend to the movement of God and who uplift those around them to take their rightful place in the coming of God's kingdom, wherever and whenever that may be. May we use our outside voices in our work for justice, for the uplifting of the lowly and excluded of our time. Or better still, may we be the ones who bless and encourage and who make way for them to make a proclamation of their own. You have been listening to Australian Women Preach, brought to you by WATAC, Women and the Australian Church, and The Grail in Australia. You can find out more about WATAC at watac.net.au and The Grail at grailaustralia.org.au. The music in this podcast is from the song Truth, from the album Into Silence, by songwriter, musician, theologian and teacher Danielle Ann Lynch. You can hear the full version on Spotify. Spotify.